Alrighty, howdy, and welcome to another episode of the Worldcraft Club podcast. I am James, your host here, and I am joined by Seth. How are you doing, Seth? I am super excited to be here, James. This is going to be a great episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. We, we, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics ever, 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 ever. And it's because I love to eat it. What is it, Seth? It is food. Yes, this house believes that food is the essence of culture, and you're a fool if you're not using it in your world building. That is that is my statement. That is my hot mic drop. What do you think about it, Seth? I think that you're right. I don't know that I would use such strong language, James. I was but... going to be stronger, but oh, this isn't an explicit. That we can't be explicit. <laughs> we can't be explicit on this podcast. I was going to say all kinds of swears. Okay. Well. <laughs> I, uh, no, I'm not sure I feel quite that passionate. Yeah, carry on though. Yeah, I, I think that I think that you're right. I think that um, yep. food is absolutely sort of the distillation of whatever culture and environment that it's in. And it gives us all sorts of clues about the place and the people who uh, interact with it. Mm. However, I also think... <gasps> And this is this is my hot take that this is a harder subject for Western audiences, especially American audiences, to understand. And so I want to give a little bit of a of a caveat that a lot of a lot of the perspective that you're going to hear is not necessarily coming from a monocultural yeah. understanding of the world yeah of course of course you you grew you grew up in africa I didn't did. you, Seth? like so it's that, that you bring you bring some some kind of complexity and, and a little bit of nuance to this that's fascinating. yeah yeah and and you're not as as american as you sound you're not actually american <laughs> no I'm, yeah 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 but I'm, i come from a country with, with which is known for having bad food and like i'm not even going to pretend it's good we eat black pudding listen, and marmite listen food doesn't have to be good to be an indication of culture you know that's true. That is, that is a hundred percent true. And uh, and 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 I I I I also just hate it because like <laughs> I what what does that say about British culture? So no, you're, you're you're right. I really am horrified by the notion that like this tells us something about British culture. So I'm like, what does it say? We eat Branston pickle and like we fry up pig's blood in flour and eat it. And you we know what it says? Marmite. You know what it says? What, what does it say? What does it, it say? It says, as polite as British society is. Because you might have terrible food, but nobody complains about it. You are equally oh, true. God help you if you complain. You are equally tough. And I say this having the mass majority of my experience with British food be through a TV show that went through time periods of in the United Kingdom, uh, sort of talking about the different kinds of food that they ate. I watched it with my wife, and and it was quite fascinating. Pretty gross, honestly. But one of yeah. one of the things that struck me is that for a small island, mm. the the people just used everything. Nothing went to waste. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that in the UK there's still a bit of a holdover from a type of lifestyle that that Americans are so divorced from at this point. Um mm. and that is and that's a a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily have all of the amenities immediately at your fingertips, right? So infrastructure is not quite as developed, right? So people live in homes that 
are a little bit older that have been around for a long time. In some cases, hundreds and hundreds of years old, right? Yeah, I actually had a friend whose house was around 600 years old. It had uh, walls that were several feet. Exactly. And and you see the the wiring is on the outside of the wall, right? And people, appliances yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. tend to be older and people don't update stuff quite as much. But also the Second World War had a tremendous impact on the way that people ate. And the it, bombings it really uh, in London from, you know, the from the German forces forced people into a specific way of engaging with their food because they were all um everything was rationed right and so yeah i think that we're probably honestly still feeling some of the effects of that mentality carrying over from previous generations into the current generation you know you're, you're absolutely right um it's uh my my, my grandma is um is slowly going blind uh but she absolutely insists on her independence she will not have home care uh she owns her home and she is self-sufficient in uh as as much as a you know 90 plus year old nearly blind woman can be and uh she a lot of it comes from her mentality of the war mm -hmm. and uh kind of kind of that surviving surviving memory right um it's it's hard to say it it's in in britain there was a very legitimate real fear that the country would be would be taken over whereas the right. u.s never quite had it that close i mean there, there were some fears about like japanese balloons floating over and sure. things like that and get, there were there was some you know there were concerns but the threat of like invasion if you are not quite the yeah same. yeah and and you know one could argue that some of the some of the communities in in the Americas would not agree with that, you know. Yeah, communities yeah. would not agree with that. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, for the yeah. average modern American, we have not we have not had that sort of squeeze, right? Yeah, your children of excess, right. absolutely. Like, um, and 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 no real like. I mean, this this is the only reason why cheesesteak can be treated as a delicacy. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know any other place in the world where someone would be like, "Hey, let's take a perfectly good steak, desiccate it, overcook it, and then cover it in cheese whiz," and be like, <laughs> "This is a delicacy." It's like, no, it's not. It's freaking. It's it's just you you ruined steak and covered it in cheese whiz and put it in a sandwich. What do you want a prize? Oh man, like no. I love cheesesteaks. Oh, it's just I, I, <laughs> you. You can you can love them. You can love them. Just don't be proud yeah. of them. Like that's that's all I'm asking. I mean, it's of course it's delicious. It's like it's it's everything they make here is delicious. Well, and like it's all. And so that's that's yeah. one of the interesting pieces of of culture that is revealed in American food, right? Where in the UK mm -hmm. we see we see that the food that they eat tends to be a little bit more practical in the sense that it's whatever they had you know, to, to make, and that sort of just sort of stuck around in the U S we take other people's food. We turn it mm. into a mockery of the original, Usually, even more a caricature. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We accentuate Absolutely. elements of it and, and make them even, even more. Right. So, so you get text, right? Yeah. Which is not in any way, shape or form Mexican food. And in fact, and then you get food wizardry, like Taco Bell. <laughs> 
which is just like on another plane of existence. <laughs> oh man, like, I love Taco Bell too. <laughs> dude, I love Taco Bell. I, I adore Taco Bell. I had Taco Bell for my birthday. Yeah. Like we, we went yeah, out and got right. a ton of it. And like I could live off that. That's right. But yeah, they are food wizards. Absolutely. Uh, or warlocks. They're definitely evil, but they do they do make a lot. Yeah. And so we we just as Americans, we sort of just take food from other countries and we and yeah, we make a caricature out of them. Right. And that isn't to say mm. that there aren't people in the in America who have good food or eat good food oh, or yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. good food. We're not just throwing right. Shade. Absolutely. But it does tell us Except it stuff. does. <laughs> it does tell us something about the culture that we live in. Yeah. Well, and, and it is like the ultimate cultural marker. And you're right, like that sort of British fortitude. And like, I, I have a jar of Marmite in my house and I eat it a lot. I love Marmite, but mostly I keep it around for Americans to smell right. because it is disgusting mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I mean, I will completely just admit it. It's, it's, it's a byproduct of yeast and beer production and it is very salty and they sell it as healthy because they pumped it full of uh, vitamin B. And so they're like, it's healthy. It's got B vitamins. It's like, no, it's just pure salt that you spread on toast mm -hmm. and it's like everyone hates it and it tastes like feet i love it but um then again i like camembert too we're going to talk about disgusting things that people eat uh but it's um all of these all of these things are indicators of just like kind of the fortitude of the people yeah. and their and their desire to find kind of find anything to eat in times when you couldn't stuff like branston pickle in britain is effectively like desiccated bits of cabbage and crap and it's just been pickled and like yep. it's kind of this it's black it's black goo with like big chunks of onion or whatever in it. And I love it. I live for it. I put it on grilled cheese all the time in the middle of a grilled cheese. Oh, I love that. So but it's, these are, these are products of rationing. Right. They're products Absolutely. of rationing. And it says about who we are just the same way that America's kind of um, caricatures explain it. Cause apparently, you know, Chinese food is different in America. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's Chinese food is what some of the most adaptable food in the world. Like wherever they go, it's like, it, it, it'll be like um, somebody from like Latin America would turn up in the US and they go to a Chinese place and they think they know what they're getting. And so they go, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'll take, I'll take the fried plantains and uh, the, you know, and the Chinese restaurant's like, we don't do that. Right. And they're like, but I thought that was like, I thought that was a Chinese thing, a Chinese food thing. You serve it with the soy sauce. And they're like, no, 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 we don't. That That's Latin American Chinese food. Right. And it's like, it's something that's unique where they they're from right. because the chinese food guys make it but all they did was they just adapted chinese food to better mm -hmm. match their locale mm -hmm. and so they come up with things mm -hmm. that you just expect to see you know and it's like no no that's only the latin brand yeah. <laughs> you know you don't get it here. yeah like it's it's so weird uh phenomenally diverse selection in there but look you were going to make a point though about east east v west on this you were saying like the the western conception of it was that more to do with the um yeah, where, where are you going? Where are you going with that? I cut you off really early on to say I'm from Britain and we eat garbage. So I was just I was just saying that I think that because because a lot of Western countries did not have the same level of resources and, and I'm yeah. thinking sort of European descent, right? People yeah, in Europe yeah, yeah, yeah. were really poor and their kings yeah. were also really poor. They did not yeah. have the same access to to variety. They did not have the same access to uh, to meat because they couldn't. They couldn't. Um, they mm. everything was on a smaller scale, right? Because a lot of people were packed really tightly. Now, it actually helped them out uh, 
because then they could conquer the world because they were immune to all of the diseases that they were carrying to the rest of the world. But but when you go to when you start going east, you you start hitting spices, right? And and you you start seeing sort of the the multitude of different types of cuisine that that you can get in a very small area. So a great example of this is when you go to India, there are three or so a great example of this is is that when you go to India and you get curry, hmm. what you're going to get is going to depend on where you are, what the specific blend of spices that they use, and a whole bunch of other factors. And everywhere you go, you're going to get different curry. You then go over to Thailand, right? And they have nominally three types of curry. You know, they have a red curry, a yellow curry, and a green yeah, yeah. curry. Mm. But even among those, there are multiple types of red curries, different spice combinations that they have put together, right? Yeah. And so this, this multitude of flavoring leads to a incredibly diverse palate yeah the way the way yeah. people treat wine now like wine connoisseurs treat yeah. wine now and they and they distinguish these these little differences between uh types of wine types of grapes how much um water the grape gets you know how many tannins and how the temperature affects it all of those things are done with food when you mm. move east of Europe. Yeah, yeah. When you move down into Africa, the same thing. Spices become really important. And the type of food you get, even though the resources are not necessarily super abundant everywhere, but because they have so many different types of spices, they end up with all of these little variations of food and you get you get little region like regional delicacies. And I think and I think that as Americans, we just we just don't really have that level of exposure to the yeah. variety that well, you can find in a lot of other places in the world. Well, well, this is also the kind of a common criticism of of, of Westerners is is what are you going to do with that pinch of salt? You know, right. is what like is is the is the common like meme essentially of uh, of Western cooking. And like when you think about it, if if you look at the um, if you look at French cuisine and and other and you know uh, <laughs> German cuisine is a little bit more like dense and kind of filling, mm -hmm. but like French cuisine is very dainty and is an incredibly is very subtle in its uh, in its outplay. And it's kind of fascinating to me that like that was probably born again of just simply not having tons of spices. It's like, we don't have tons of spices. You know what we got? Onions and garlic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You see that snail over yeah. there? I'm going to turn that into a vehicle to get salt and garlic into my yeah. mouth. And like, that's what, that's how it that works. That's though, do you know where oh. French cuisine originated? Oh, no. So French it. cuisine originated because of Italian traders, like merchants who were starting in the yeah. 14th century who are starting to bring spices from the east You're along the silk kidding. road you, you know what though i bet they were expensive oh, super expensive like and that's the thing is that then you get those class distinctions mm -hmm. like it's even like you, you go back in time you talk about like you know kings and stuff would eat uh peacock and, yeah and like peacock apparently isn't very it's good terrible like it's like a meat but like 
you can eat it. It's just like, it's a weird thing to yeah. eat. It's just go nuts. But you'd like invite people. People used to have folks over to see the pineapple they got. Yeah. Like the pineapple was literally like a decoration and they would watch it rot before they'd like eat it because they were, it was just such an exotic and exciting yep. thing. And, and this develops into, into very different ways of viewing these. Like I found this out the other day. So smoking, right? Like smoking mm -hmm. meats was the poor man's way of using bad cuts of yep. meat that they didn't get to keep. And it developed into some of the finest like food around yeah. now. Like you can have chefs who specialize in smoking, who live in weird houses in the middle of like the Australian outback and they smoke stuff all day over wood fires and they get paid buku dollars yeah. to like eat their smoked meat. And it's like, it, it's, it, it became this thing, which is just such a weird, like circular thing, you know, where these things start off as arts of the yeah. core and they get perfected because like in food, there's a lot of embedded knowledge, That's just right. baked, literally baked into every portion of it. Cause like someone had to say, I'm, I'm going to eat whatever comes out of that chicken's butt. Someone had to be like <laughs> the first person to say, I'm going to do that. Somebody else had to like, look at a cow and watch a calf drink milk and be like, Eh, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot. It. You know, like, <laughs> someone had to do that, and like someone else had to go. Eh, well, yeah, I guess shellfish can keep. Right. You know, and it, it, it got to a point where like there there were some foods that were banned by religions, like particularly pork. And I think part of the reasoning for that was because it's hard to cook. Right. And if you don't have copper pots, you can't reach the temperatures you need to. All of this was hard won knowledge, basically by people getting sick or eating gross stuff yeah. until somebody went you put this much salt in. If you put too much in, it kills people. Right. We put, we need to put less than the killing, the lethal amount of salt in. Okay, you know, this spice works really good here. This this spice is good at dyeing clothes. Right. <laughs> like, don't, we don't wear white and eat But curry. we don't eat like, it. That's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so like, you've got all these kinds of different uh, different things and you bake in that knowledge yeah. you know that you know and it, it is through hard one food poisoning that we know food needs to reach 165 absolutely. you know and i think and i think if i could sort of distill the the point i was trying to make with with yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sort of the american separation from these mm. concepts i think that that looking at you brought up uh you brought up smoking Right. Barbecue yeah. is not a uniquely American thing because people have been barbecuing meat for a really long time. But yeah, yeah. America really has a lot of communities in America, I should say, have really latched on to the idea of barbecue, whether whether that's yeah. smoking, whether that's grilling. But then what happens with it? Somebody has a restaurant. They perfect the art. And then a corporation comes in, buys the recipe, and mass produces it across the U.S., right? Yeah. And so for the mass majority of people, they do not live in a place where they can go to a real barbecue pit and yeah. understand the difference between a mustard-based barbecue sauce and a vinegar-based barbecue sauce. Right. They don't understand necessarily the difference between, you know, a smoked brisket and a and a grilled, you know, a piece of meat. So, yeah, yeah. the. I think that the. For the average American, when we encounter food, it's through either our mom's cooking 
or yeah. it's through this sort of corporatized like food for money exchange yeah, that we do yeah, with yeah, restaurants yeah. And, and 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 the reality is is when you make something for mass appeal you make vanilla right. Not because vanilla is the best flavor, but it is the flavor the most people will tolerate. Correct. So I I grew up on um like my, my if my dad ever listened to this he's gonna punish me I grew up on bad steak basically because like my dad always made the least offensive possible steaks that everyone would right. enjoy. It was only when I started hanging out with my buddy Jesse, who's like a grill guy, that he taught me how good steak can be yeah. and i was like oh my gosh i've been like missing out on this is getting good grill marks mm -hmm. on there and like you know just me so the, one one thing that I'll, I'll i will die one hill i'll die on if it's above medium rare you you hate steak just stop yeah. eating it like save the steak for the rest of us like but anyway um it's you know it's it's you learn these things like from from this kind of like you're right, like your parents or this like mass produced stuff that winds up being vanilla right. because it is the most expansive, the most expansive thing. So, so like, here's another weird thing for you with class distinction, right? And this is interesting because I, I actually want to pivot a little bit now and start talking more about how we can apply this because we've talked a bit about how um, food can be a signifier of socioeconomic status, how right. a lot of really powerful, like, you know, brands and food stuff comes out of rationing, like the British love of like canned beans, I'm pretty sure it comes from that spam in Hawaii, mm -hmm. you can find you know, they actually serve spam burgers and McDonald's in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, fascinating stuff, like, and all these things kind of develop, which is from weird, because sort of, uh, spam is gross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love spam. I so love spam. Gross. I love spam so much. Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm not usually a fan of canned meat. My, my, my standard is usually if anybody says, what's this? It's meat. I'm like, no, what is it? I want to know what <laughs> yeah. the meat is. Don't just tell me that it's meat. Anyway, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how, how, how socioeconomic right. divides play a part in it and how you where your position globally plays a part in the food and the differences that you're going to experience. But what I think we really want to drill down into is like how you can then communicate that as a part of your yeah. world and drive immersion where with, with your readers. So, so I've got one, I've got one thing sure. to throw at you. Language right? Like language is huge. People don't always do a great job at just like describing foods. Yes. You know what I mean? And like, it's, it's a lot of it has to do even with, with texture. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't understand how mouthfeel is different. I don't know. Foodies say mouthfeel. I think it's the grossest combination of words <laughs> besides moist ache that, that like exists. Um, but it's, it's still like, you know, it's, it's this whole thing of like texture is a really, really big part of how we enjoy food. It's, it's huge. partly why fat is so important in food, in cooking. And in, in the U S we went to war on fat and got all our fats gross instead of having nice beef tallow French right. fries. But that was because of the war on fat. It's terrible. Everything's sugary in America. Anyway, I'm done bashing. We bashed America a lot. That's because, because our food's actually not very good. Yeah. It's vanilla. It's, it's vanilla, vanilla everywhere. Now that's not like you go to local places. Right. You get yourself a good cut of Virginia ham, it's going to blow you right. away. You know what I mean? But if like you're, you're, it's, it's a lot of its mass. And, and so it's hard to get anything but vanilla. So America strikes average for most right. things. And that's like not a bad place to yeah. be, but uh, England definitely strikes well below <laughs> average, but at least, at least we've got like, at least it's ours. Um, but so it, here's the deal. I, I found this really great list on world of food and wine, which is just describing taste and flavor. Hmm. Right. Interesting. And so they actually just have this really like neat thing. So I actually we'll, think we'll one of drop the, a link to that. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll throw that. I'll throw that in the show notes. But it's it's it, to give you like a couple of things here. Like a lot of the words are really good ways to describe like people, mm-hmm. right? Like you can almost use like you can almost use like if, so, if something has like <laughs> even if you were to describe a taste as authoritative, <laughs> like you'd get a sense of what where someone was coming mm-hmm. from with that, or uh, distinct, or potent, or powerful, aromatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even use acerbic, you know, things that you might use to describe a person's behavior, attitude, or conversation you might use to describe food. And, 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 and I think that's actually kind of like something to practice, you know, go check this out. There's some really good ones. Like acrid is a good, is a good food describing mm-hmm. word. It gives you, it gives you something in your nose. Like you can feel it. You're like, mm, yeah, I know. I know what that would, I know what that would be like. And cause here's the deal. It's like, one thing we all have in common is we all eat. That's right. And you know what goes great with food? A great big glass of drink. Like it's everybody drinks, everybody eats. Right. Like you can use this to draw people into your world in a way that um, I, I still remember the description of uh, of Lembus bread, mm-hmm. like wafers, these honey wafers. And like that sticks in my head. I'm like, I know what that would taste right. like. I can imagine that. You know what I and mean? And it's a great way to make areas distinct, right? Are your Are your players, let's say you're running a TTRPG, you know, are your players moving from a forested area into a into a desert? Well, they might yeah. they might go from eating uh, nut bread, you know, in the forest because people are are gathering are gathering nuts from trees. They have access right? to that. Yeah, you know, you might pass through a valley where the bread has turned very fine because they've gotten this nice golden wheat, you know, that they that they're making bread out of. And then you might come yeah, into yeah, the yeah. desert and Hey, all that food spoils real fast. So now we've got like hardtack, you know? Yeah. Or dried or dried fruits or salted right. nuts that are used for travel and, and uh, rich and poor as Absolutely. well, even the naming of food. So, so here's, here's a fun fact for you. I bet you'll love this. Um, in, Br- in, in the English language, we have a division of words for foods. Right. So for a long time in Britain, it was the it was the uh, it was the Saxons, you know, these very Germanic people, and they were taken over by the Normans. So French, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so the French became sort of an aristocracy and then and the uh, Saxons became sort of field workers. So what's something in the field? Well, it's a cow or a pig. You know, it has very Germanic sounding words. But what about when we get it to the dinner table? Well, that would be buff or or pork. Or when it's in the field, it's a chicken. When it's on your table, it's poulet, poultry, mm-hmm. right? Comes from the French words. So like all the table words are French words and all the field the words things. are German for the same Interesting. thing, right? Okay. So like, it's a really, really interesting thing. And, and you can absolutely play on that in settings that yeah. you're in. You can literally say, you know, like it's, it's, that's a cow out there. Yeah. And when it's on your table, if you're posh, it's beef. And if you're poor, and it's this cow. is just such a great way to add small details to your world that make a huge impact in how your players or your readers perceive the world that they're in. Yeah. Because these are the and these are the tiny social cl- clues that we pick up without knowing we're picking them up. Yeah, yeah, and even customs and rituals surrounding eating the mm-hmm. food. Do do people in your world wash their hands before they eat? Yeah, do um, they use cutlery? Is there, are there? Are you allowed to have your elbows on the table? 
Um, an interesting thing as well in France, it's rude to have your hands underneath the right. table. And uh, in theory, uh, the theory is that it has to do with whether or not you're hiding a knife Correct. down there. But um, because in, you know all those uh, in other French people waiting to stab <laughs> they just you. stab at each other <laughs> all the time. You know, give you the old fork in the eye. Yeah. So like. Yeah. This is what I th I think what this amounts to, and this is why, like you know, I come out swinging with food is just that it's so often ignored. Like one Absolutely. cool thing is I remember this a lot about um, RPG for you and me um, podcast. We interviewed Doug and Allie have a tremendous podcast, the Duet Savage World actual play, where they're in a cyber fantasy setting, and one of the things they take time to talk about is hanging out, eating street meat. Right right? Like this, the vendors and like the way it smells and what it tastes like. If you've had lamb, the way that just like melts in your mouth, like there is, there is something to it. And also there's a rich, poor divide, you know, what do people eat when they're, that's a good modern yep. one. You know, you eat street hot dogs when you're, when you're poor yeah. and you eat, you know, I don't know, Nathan's all beef franks when you're rich. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, you can draw, it, it is a cheap way to help people experience your right. world. And it is universal. Everybody will understand it to some degree. And so I would say, change up the way that you you approach your food. Have a think about who's eating what. I don't think you need a ton of detail. I don't think you need a ton of detail. Right. This is one of this is one of those cases where where giving people a taste is better than than drowning them in it. Yeah, yeah. And I think a big issue is that a lot of writers aren't necessarily like romantic chefs either. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think this is just a, a thing that is overlooked because the passion isn't there. And that's where I say that I, I feel like a lot of America, uh, of our American audience is going to maybe scratch their head at first and say, well, I don't really think about food that often, mm. right? Because it's not such a big part of our culture. Yeah. But I think, again... This is a just such a fantastic way. If I can, if I can give a, an example, yeah. Um, if if anybody's looking for a series that does this well, The Expanse, everyone should watch it. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Redwall. Yes. So this is this is the first time I ever encountered it. Was reading Redwall, reading Martin the Warrior, reading oh Moss my Flower. Gosh, so good. So. Good. Brian Jakes yeah. wrote these books. And one of the things that he does is at the end of almost every book, and sometimes in the middle, there is a feast. Yes. And at the feast, he describes the food. You are and, a thousand percent right. And it brings such an air of joy to what would otherwise just be, well, a bunch of animals got together and ate some food, right? Yeah. They were happy. But instead, it fills the reader with just with just this sense oh. of joy yeah and yeah. It's, it's it's the thrill of food it's like you you mm. know it and you know it on a daily experience so i mean i i challenge anybody to take a minute just to consider their relationship with food because like yeah you're right i remember that about Redwall. i mm -hmm. love reading those but i can't wait to read them to my son and so one of the things you can do if you if there is something that you really like a an experience that you really like with food focus on that to start, right? If you like a good cup of coffee or a cup of tea, focus oh. on the drinks that people have. Yes. Right? If you rich, like a good steak a or, or a good hamburger, mm. right? If you like authentic cuisine from another country, focus on what you like 
and put some of that passion into what it is that you're describing. And because of that, you'll find that a lot of your history and your cultural touchstones will follow suit. So I, I think that's honestly a great place to leave us. So thanks, Seth. This was this was a good one, man. This was a yeah, lot of fun. fun. I love this. So uh, <laughs> this great. all right, we'll probably revisit food again at some point and it's close cousin drink. Um, Absolutely. And so if you guys would love to come and support us, we have a Patreon page that's available right now. We have a, uh, a $2 tier that will actually give you an additional episode every single month that we try we, we try to keep you all updated with that as well as a bunch of kind of like little mini blogs by me once in a while and uh early access to our to our memes and uh my recent uh exploration to robotic giant scorpions the size of a car so i'll be putting that in there um and we just love for y'all to join us on that if not you can find us at everywhere fine podcasts are sold and you can also reach us on our facebook page or facebook group links will be available in the show notes thank you so much for joining us Thank you for joining the World Craft Club podcast. Please go ahead and like us, subscribe to us on your preferred app. And if you use iTunes, rate us five stars if you think we're worth the rating. It really helps our numbers. If you're listening here, you're missing out on half the content along with loads of other goodies. So please consider becoming an exclusive club member at our Patreon page, starting at as low as $5 a month. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump on our webpage, worldcraftclub.com to get the latest updates on our blog. We're also available on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the World Craft Club Podcast. Thank you for listening.